We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Aitlin is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, goes for the end zone. Bridgewater, throw into the end zone, touchdown! Samuel still on his feet, inside the five, to the end zone, touchdown! What a play! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore! And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone! He pounded on three! One, two, three! He Panthers fans, it is game week, and you know what that means? It's time to break down Raiders, Panthers, it is here, finally. The Roar Podcast on Blue Wire, John Ellis is my name, Billy Marshall by my side. Billy, how you doing, bud? Doing well. We've got a special guest here. He is the managing editor of the uh, Raiders Wire and does a lot of work over there with the Cowboys as well. His name is Marcus Mosher. You can follow him on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher. Marcus, thanks for making time, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited that football is back. It feels like it jumped, you know, right up on us. But uh, now that we get into the uh, the whole schedule, it's going to fly by. It happens every year. 
happens every year. You're right. It, it comes and goes. Before we'd be talking about it's December and it's almost over. So let's enjoy it while we can, especially in this environment. Tell us about how things are looking overall from a team perspective. Obviously, with COVID, things have been challenging for every team right now, but they have a veteran group. They have a veteran coach with John Gruden. Have you getting a vibe here of how they're pulling together a camp right now? Yeah, so this is the third year of John Gruden's rebuild. It's easily the most talented roster they've had in all three of those years. Uh, they're, they believe they're ready to make a push for the playoffs in the AFC uh, we'll see. It's it's a lot of young pieces on the team. They're relying on a, a bunch of first and second year guys on defense. Uh, they're excited, but uh, we'll see what happens. You know, when we start the season, once the bullets start to fly, uh, we'll we'll see how some of these young players are uh, if they're ready to go. So, Marcus, uh, thanks again for joining. And I think there's a lot of cross parallels between the team you also cover, the Cowboys and the Raiders, <laughs> yeah. just because. They've signed a lot of former Cowboys. They have Rod Marinelli on staff and the mm-hmm. Rich Bisaccia, the former special teams coach. So I want to focus on the defense first. You, obviously, you're familiar with uh, Malik Collins. But this group in particular has probably upgraded the most since Mayock and Green came in. Uh, I mean, I'm just looking at their defensive line and their linebackers, which I think are really underrated. What do you see from that group right now? Yeah, well, let's start with linebackers because I think for the last decade, that's been the Raiders' Achilles heel. They've cycled through a ton of veterans, a ton of guys that have been basically washed up, right? Uh, older Vontez Burfecht, they brought in Navarro Bowman. Uh, Tahir Whitehead was one of their big free agent signings a couple of years ago. They've just been trying to get by at linebacker. And it seems like this offseason, the Raiders finally decided to, to use resources at that position. They went out and got Corey Littleton. They got Nick Kogowski. Uh, they traded for Raekwon McMillan. Is it the best linebacker you know, trio in the NFL? No, it's not. But can it be average? I think so. And if they're average, that's going to dramatically boost this defense because last season their linebackers couldn't run. They couldn't cover. They were cycling guys in and out all season long. So I think bringing in Littleton and and McMillan should help quite a bit. And then you mentioned the defensive line. Uh, They're hoping Max Crosby can take a step. Cleland Farrell can do the same. Uh, But they also covered themselves a little bit as well, bringing in Malik Collins to to pair with Maurice Turst. Carl Nassib is a fine, you know, third defensive end. Uh, He's competing with Arden uh, Key for snaps. It's a, a deeper defense than last year, but they're going to need some of these guys to break out if they actually want to become at least a league average defense this year. Marcus Mosher is our guest. He is the managing editor of the Raiders Wire, and you want to check out his work at Marcus underscore Mosher. Talk about the secondary, Marcus, for uh, Las Vegas here. They've got some players, man. You know, Damon Arnett, Tra- uh, Trayvon Mullen, and then Lamarcus Joyner. I've been fascinated by this guy for, for a long time. He's got great long arms, a nice athlete. They had some struggles with Jeff Fisher a little bit. It was, was chronicled on Hard Knocks a couple years ago. And then in the back end, you got uh, Jonathan Abram, Eric Harris. What's your assessment of the secondary coming into this season for Las Vegas? Uh, so let's start with the good news. Uh, they think Trayvon Mullen is going to be a star. And we saw it in the second half of the last season. He really played well. Their second-round pick out of Clemson in the 2019 draft. Uh, they like him quite a bit. Damon Arnett, who they took with the 19th pick in this year's draft, uh, has actually been one of the bigger surprises at camp. He was so good uh, that the team was, you know, felt comfortable releasing Prince of Mucamera, who they signed in the offseason. 
Jonathan Abram is the heart and soul of this defense. He got injured in the first week last year uh, after a fantastic training camp. He's back in 100%. Uh, they think he's going to be just like a Jamal Adams type of player. Obviously not that good, but, you know, somebody who could fly around the football, can play near the line of scrimmage. And then Eric Harris is a fine free safety who can make plays and coverage if needed. Their problem is <laughs> the depth isn't great. You mentioned LaMarcus Joyner. Uh, he's somebody the Raiders gave a monster contract to last offseason mm-hmm. to be their slot cornerback. Maybe, maybe one of the worst cornerbacks in the league last year surrendered a ton of yards, couldn't tackle, uh, wasn't quite tough enough inside the slot. So uh, he's somebody that makes me really nervous in week one, especially if the Panthers put DJ Moore in the slot. I think Moore could have a field day. Uh, And then after their two outside corners with Mullen and Arnett, it, it gets pretty shallow pretty quickly. Isaiah Johnson is somebody they drafted in the fourth round last year, a former receiver. He's not ready to see the field yet. Uh, Keyshawn Nixon is another uh, another body they have out there, but he's not ready either. Uh, it, it's a shallow secondary, and they're really, really relying on Mullen and Arnett to take uh, big steps this year. So transitioning over to offense, and I was actually surprised last year watching them. They had a top 10 offense according to DVOA, and I think a lot of what you saw you know, in games to match that production. Derek Carr was a little more efficient last year. Uh, compared to years past. And I want to start with Carr because there's always been an an enigma around him. I mean, the fan base loved him in 2016, which, you know, probably was a little bit overrated. But Mm -hmm. now he seems to be more underrated. What 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 are your thoughts on Carr? Yeah, before we get to Carr, I'm glad that you brought up DVOA for their offense because they were a pretty good offense last year. They were just incredibly slow. So they didn't put up the points that – uh, you know, but made people get excited about their offense. They, they were very run heavy. They were pretty efficient. They did struggle a little bit in the red zone, but uh, they were a better offense last year than most people realize. As for Carr, he's actually a perfect fit in this John Gruden offense because he can get rid of the ball quickly. He is accurate on the short to intermediate passes. Uh, he could run the West Coast offense uh, basically to perfection. Now, the one thing that Gruden has a problem with is he doesn't improvise enough. And they worked on that in training camp, trying to get him outside the pocket, uh, making plays in the move. If he can do that, I do think he can get back into the top 10, 12 quarterback conversation because they have now designed an offense around him that makes sense for his skill set, right? A guy like Darren Waller is a perfect fit for Carr because he gets open quickly and he can make plays after the catch. Hunter Renfro can make plays Uh, from the slot and gets open. Henry Ruggs, while he's incredibly fast, he actually did a lot of his work at Alabama underneath and taking, you know, slants and digs to the house. Uh, So they build an offense around him to allow him to succeed. And I think assuming he stays healthy and that offensive line, which is pretty underrated, uh, can stay healthy, he should be in for a pretty big season in 2020. Marcus, I, I followed John Gruden for a long time. I know Billy has too. He was an NFC South coach for, for quite a while, as you know, and we got to see his scheme up close. Uh, the West Coast system that he would run with uh, Buccaneers was uh, primarily short stuff, inside stuff, intermediate stuff, and occasionally the deep ball. What, what schematically has changed and evolved from Gruden that you've noticed? Do they do anything vertically? at all or or, or are they near the bottom of the league in terms of the schematics vertically (laughs) it depends on who you ask right because Gruden (laughs) loves to take shots 
Uh, Carr will tell you they're just not open and there's better plays underneath. Now, right. they're going to they're going to try to design some things for Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards who can make plays down the field. But don't expect this to be an offense that's throwing the ball down the field a bunch. They're going to rely on timing and precision. Uh, there are going to be things in the, the offense that help maybe some more play action passes to get the ball down the field. Uh, but yeah, don't, don't mistake this for like a Kansas city type of offense at all. Cause that's just not what it's going to be. Well, I'm glad you brought up frogs and I'm just looking at this receiving group. It doesn't really inspire much confidence. Uh, I mean, but again, last mm-hmm. year they did have a pretty good offense, you know, despite maybe worse or similar talent, but you know, they added rugs, uh, Brian Edwards. I know you were a big fan of him before mm-hmm. the draft and Actually, I want to take a look at the pass catching as a whole because I think the tight ends, you know, kind of fit into this too with Darren Waller who broke out and they signed, um, you know, Cowboys legend Jason Witten. Yep. So what are your thoughts, you know, about maybe how the target share is going to break up, you know, between all those pass catchers? And, like, what are your just general impressions of this group and if you think they did enough to improve? Yeah, so I think the unquestioned top target in this pass offense is Darren Waller. Everything is going to run through him. Uh, and then everybody's going to play off of him. So uh, Hunter Renfro was actually who somebody who played really well in the second half of the last season. You know, in his last seven games, he had 35 receptions for 490 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, he's a perfect fit in that slot playing with Waller. Um, you know, last year, the Raiders offense at receivers, it, it, I certainly don't think it was any worse. They had a banged up Tyrell Williams with two different foot injuries. Uh, they had Zay Jones, who is back, uh, who actually had a very strong camp. Uh, they brought in Nelson Aguilar to be, you know, their wide receiver four, wide receiver five. Uh, so I don't think it's much different than what we saw last year. And in fact, I actually think they're a little further ahead because all through training camp and through the offseason, the Raiders built their offense around Antonio Brown. They were going to throw the ball to Antonio Brown a bunch, but just a couple days before kickoff, they released him. They had to reshuffle their entire receiver core. Uh, they've known all offseason what they're going to do with their receivers and their pass catchers. Uh, again, Waller's going to be fed. I expect Foster Moreau, a second-year tight end from LSU, to get more snaps in the passing game. Jason Witten's going to be on the field a bunch. You're going to see a ton of 12 and 13 personnel. Uh, I, I actually think they did a pretty good job of building uh, the wide receiver core this offseason. I, I, I would have liked to see them go with the C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy, but I understand why. They, want, they wanted some speed in their offense with Henry Ruggs, uh, and it just remains to be seen how that works out. You've counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from all your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your order of $15 or more and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's the code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Marcus, one thing uh, Panthers head coach Matt Rule talked about this week 
was the test that uh, Josh Jacobs and the offensive line is going to present. As you know, Carolina's run defense last year was atrocious. The run fits were terrible. The schematics were a mess. And this is a brand-new season for the Panthers, but there's still a lot of question marks as to how they can stop the run. Jacobs is third in the league in terms of yards after first contact last year. As you well know, you've watched plenty of tape on him, I'm sure. I'm looking at a piece of tape last year against Green Bay, and I know you've seen this play where he's just patient, hits the hole, one cut, breaks about seven tackles for about a 50-yard gain. Talk about Jacobs. I know, you know, the running game is a little bit passe for some right now. There's more of a (laughs) push towards pass, pass, pass. But Gruden loves, like you said, 12-13 personnel pounding the rock. What type of emphasis will that be for this team in week one and moving forward? Yeah, I think you can make a case that Josh Jacobs was one of the top three or four running backs in all of the league last year. And he did it with a pretty bad shoulder injury where he couldn't even put his arm above his head. So uh, he was that dominant and efficient last year being that banged up. And listen, the Raiders offensive line, uh, they were missing pieces all year long. Trent Brown missed five games. Richie Incognito was suspended for the first two and then missed some games at the end. Uh, Colton Miller was a little banged up. Gabe Jackson missed some time. So the Raiders are entering week one with their offensive line being fully healthy. One of the biggest offensive lines in the league. And they've got some complimentary pieces around Jacobs to help him run more effectively. Alex Engold was one of the better fullbacks last year. Uh, They're going to put, again, two, three tight ends on the field just to see how you match up with that. Um, I fully expect as long as this game is close – and the Raiders are in a positive or a neutral uh, game script, they're going to feed Josh Jacobs. Uh, Gruden talked about, you know, over the offseason how too often they didn't stick with the run. Well, there was a lot of games where Jacobs had 15, 16 touches at halftime. So I fully expect uh, Jacobs to see a monster workload in this game. Uh, and if the Raiders are running the ball, Carolina's going to have an awfully hard time stopping them with their offensive line. Yeah, I think we agree there. You know, there was a lot of discussion about the uh, addition of Derek Brown, who, you know, I think a lot of people have different agreements on what his potential might be, but I think uh, most people would agree that he certainly helps them uh, shore up some errors in the run game. So that's going to be interesting to see. It's just going to be interesting to see how well a rookie, you know, nose tackle, defensive tackle can stop the run. I mean, that's a big right. ask, right, for your first game in the season no, going I, I, up against a game of, you know, Incognito and Gabe Jackson and Rodney Hudson. That's a, no, that's a tall yeah. task there for Brown. <laughs> that's a big one. That's a big one. That's a big ask. No, for sure. Um, okay, so let's transition now to, you know, how you see the game playing out. And, you know, we at Blue Wire are sponsored by Bet Online, and they currently have the game at as uh, Raiders minus three and the over-under set at 47 and a half. Um, I'll get John in my in my prediction after, but where do you see this game going? I know you do a lot of um, handicapping on the side mm-hmm. too. Yeah, so that means in Las Vegas, the Raiders would be somewhere between seven and nine point favorites. Uh, that seems high to me. I, I mean, I know there's some uncertainty around this Carolina team considering that it's a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback, uh, but I don't think they're significantly less talented than, than the Raiders. I think – you know, they've got a lot of weapons on offense, obviously, with DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey and, uh, you know, Samuel and Robbie Anderson. So uh, the Raiders' defense isn't good. The hope is, again, the hope is that they can be averaged by the end of the season. I see this being a, a, just a fun uh, mesh of two different styles because, again, the Raiders want to play a smash mouth style of offense. We think Carolina is going to try to open things up. 
Uh, I still think McCaffrey is a bad matchup in space for the Raiders linebackers, even the upgrades they made. So considering this is in Carolina, I, I would take Carolina in the points. I uh, would not be surprised if it comes down to the last possession or two, but uh, giving the Raiders three and a half on the road on a 1 p.m. Eastern game uh, doesn't seem very wise to me. Yeah, I would agree. And John, I'll get your prediction in a second. And Marcus, you wrote this last year. I don't know how much has changed, but you said that there, uh, were, there was a stat that said that the Raiders were one of the toughest. They had the worst record in 1 p.m. Uh, mm-hmm. Eastern starts. And I mean, I know Vegas isn't, Oakland, but uh, I still think it's a three-hour time difference, and they're still traveling from the West Coast to the East Coast. So, yeah, that's and, another factor. Yeah, I was gonna say this is this isn't even just a Raider thing. This is actually a Gruden thing, going all the way back from the first time he was with the Raiders. He's historically struggled to get his teams up for the 1 p.m. Eastern time. So, you know, it would not be surprising if you know this game starts out 14 nothing, and the Raiders are in a negative game script, and they're unable to fight their way their way out of it, considering they have two rookie receivers on the outside. So uh, how this game starts in the first quarter will probably give you a pretty good idea uh, how the rest of the game is going to go. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I would probably take the Panthers plus three here. Um, I feel more comfortable taking the over. Um, I, I don't think that either defense is going to be ready, you know, from a schematic standpoint to stop the other offense. Um, you know, like you said, it, the, the Panthers right now, they have probably the weakest secondary or at least the cornerback room is the weakest in the NFL so even despite you know the Raiders uh, might not having the top end talent I, I'm just still struggling to see them stop uh, you know that part of the game and then I mean you guys are aware of Tahir Whitehead he was not he is not a very good linebacker no. in coverage so Waller could have a field day uh, and then on, on the opposite side I think the Panthers will will score a decent amount you've mentioned um, you know the weak parts of the Raiders secondary uh, and yeah, I was surprised that they kept Gun- Gunter, to be honest with you. I thought mm. they would move on. But I just see a lot of points in this game. Um, I would take the Panthers plus three, but I feel more confident with uh, the over 47 and a half. I know that's a lot of points, but I just think this game is set up for you know both defenses struggling. Yeah, I think I think that's the right call here. I think this is going to be – you know, I, both these teams, I think, can run the ball pretty well. They're going to be able to do that. And I think they're going to get some big chunk plays on offense. So, I agree. I think the 47.5 is the right way to go. Um, oh, the over 47.5, excuse me. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of moving pieces on both sides of the ball, right, for each team with, you know, Carolina basically retransforming their defense, the Raiders doing the same thing. I expect a bunch of points to be scored in this one. And John? Yeah, look, I'll take the over on the points. I think this is going to be a bit of a bonanza in terms of scoring. Now, they're calling for a little bit of inclement weather, but it doesn't look like any winds involved, which is always big. So I think it's going to be just a little bit of rain. They can both handle that. Las Vegas has struggled in these areas, as you well know, Marcus. Red zone percentage defensively, third down percentage defensively. I think Joe Brady and the Panthers can – can take advantage of that. I think that's what they'll look to do here. You mentioned the matchup issues they present in terms of uh, McCaffrey and open space against the linebackers. Uh, I'm concerned about Carolina's defense here, but I think it's one of those games where Carolina can weather the storm because the secondary will be playing a lot of underneath stuff and they can manage that. And I think Phil Snow will put them in a position, hopefully, not to get 
too screwed up there in the back seven. I think this is a game Carolina can very much win. Now, I've got no final predictions yet, but this is one of the few games on the schedules I'm looking at. And so, you know what? It's week one. It's a brand-new season. A lot of things can happen. A lot of unknowns on both sides. Darren Waller is a huge key. You're right. I'm, I'm worried about that guy from Carolina, and I'm curious to see how – they negotiate that if Jeremy Chin, the rookie, might travel with him a little bit or if they plan on bracketing him. But there's so many weapons for Las Vegas, you just don't know. But I'll take the over on that. And I think Carolina, again, my final prediction will come out Friday, but they've got a very good shot to win this game. Reminds me a lot of when Carolina went through their rebuild with John Fox. They played Baltimore week one in 2002. Nobody gave them a chance there. And obviously it's a different situation, different game, different year. But these teams sometimes, these first-year regimes, have a tendency to sneak up on these teams that are favored. And I think this is a good maybe trap game for Las Vegas to fall into. At least we can hope from a Carolina perspective. But I do think there'll be quite a bit of points out there. Yeah, and I was going to say, the thing with the Raiders, too, coming up is their schedule is incredibly difficult. They play the Saints, Buccaneers, um, New England, Buffalo, Kansas City, all to start the season, you know, right after this game with Carolina. So they can't afford to get off to a slow starter. They actually want to make it, you know, a run in the AFC. So it's, it's, this one's, of course, no week one game is a must win, but uh, considering their schedule, they have to come out of this game with a win. Marcus, I got one more question before we close you out here. The special teams for uh, Las Vegas here. Can you tell us anything about how they've looked last year and maybe what they look like this year in terms of coverage units? Um, I'm particularly interested in that because Farrell Cooper looks like he's going to get the lion's share of touches in terms of cover, in terms of returns for Carolina. How are their coverage units looked? Yeah, so Rich Passaccia, their special teams coach, is widely considered one of the better special team coaches in the NFL. Uh, they made a concerted effort this offseason to get better in that area. They went out and signed Jeff Heath, uh, who was a special team star in Dallas. They drafted Tanner Muse in the third round from Clemson basically just to be a special teamer. Now he won't play in this game, but uh, it's not a bad unit, but it's not a great unit either. You can get some explosive plays. Uh, The punting situation isn't great. Uh, I like Daniel Carlson a little bit in the kicking game. He was uh, not too bad for the Raiders last year, but uh, they're hoping the unit is better. They brought in a lot of veterans to kind of shore up that one. Uh, that side of the ball. So it should be interesting to see what, what Rich Basaccia can do with this unit in his third year with the Raiders. Yeah, Basaccia goes way back. I remember his days in uh, Tampa with Gruden. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best out there. So, And Carolina has, like I said, a, a brand-new staff, a lot of college guys on that staff, and uh, Gruden does not. Gruden has a very experienced staff, and I think that presents a challenge for Carolina where they can maybe lose this game in the margins because coaching makes a difference in the margins. Marcus Mosher is the managing editor of the Raiders Wire. Marcus, anything we can promote for you as we start the season today? Yeah, just the uh, Twitter. You can follow me uh, at Marcus underscore Mosher. I've got two podcasts, the Locked on Cowboys podcast, the Locked on Dynasty football podcast, episodes every single day. Uh, Make sure you guys check those out. Great stuff. We thank you so much for your time. And Panthers fans, we'll be back with you next week, Tuesday, to recap this game, give you some analysis on what went down, a little film study, uh, the nuts and bolts of what happened between the Raiders and the Panthers. The NFL is back. We're excited. We'll talk to you next week, folks. Thanks for tuning into The Roar on Blue Wire. Sundays are coming back at the NFL, folks. With NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite team's 
and your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough, and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.